0: Hey there, Cape Cod. It's high noon on Wednesday. Time for Life with Gwen. We're a talk show from the Cape Cod Times Lifestyle Department where we go out and meet the neighbors and bring you the news each week. So today we are celebrating National Grammar Day and you probably didn't even think that was something to celebrate. We are happy to have with us um, a, an expert in, in grammar. Um, we are, are here today with Professor Cape Cod Community College, Professor Richard Norwood. And he you work in the writing center at the college. I do. I'm so. a
1: learning specialist in the writing center. And okay. I also teach uh, English as a second language.
0: Well, before we start, I have to ask you one very important question. Yes. Do you? have a red pen on you? Are you carrying a red pencil or a red pen?
1: No, I use green.
0: Oh, thank goodness, <laughs> because I can remember both in, in high school and and uh, and in my early days of reporting, you get the paper back. It has all that red on it, mm-hmm. and it's just overwhelming.
1: Yes, it looks like someone bled all over your paper. That's
0: right. <laughs> That's there are mean. so many ways to make a mistake. There are. And um, we're hoping that you'll help us sort out some of those to have a little bit of fun. And also, um, as always, if any of you have a question, if you're confused about who and whom, or if you just want to check out uh, a construction that you're planning to use in next week's speech, you know, go ahead and write it in, and, and we'll ask Professor Norwood to, um, who I'm now going to call Dick, uh, to go ahead and um, and help us with those those. Uh, questions about the the English language, and um, I'm going to call you Dick because you don't have a red pen with you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So tell me a little bit about yourself. Did you, you know, when you were training, um, did you think that you wanted to work with the specifics of writing? Uh,
1: No, I didn't have any specific plans as a younger person, but when I started my uh, work in uh, my master's degree, I did focus on language. I was very interested in teaching English as a second language. Mm -hmm. So that was my goal and that's where I headed and of course you can't do that without uh, grammar and without a and writing of course is such a big part of academic English so that's where I I landed.
0: But some would say a um a lessening part of spoken link uh, English and also of, of simply messaging people, you know, text and, and social media and all the ways that we are writing that we weren't mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it seems like a real shift that we've gone from uh, the idea of, um, you know, writing in, in a quiet closed setting where you write and you revise and, mm-hmm. you know, to using writing as almost as, as a spoken language where, you know, we're, we're writing, you know, not in our cars anymore, thanks to the new law, <laughs> uh, and, and I never could, could see how you could do that, but, but that we're using writing in a much more immediate sense. Yes,
1: yeah, so, so you could argue that messaging and texting are more like speech, that they're, represent, they're a much closer representation of speech. They're also a shorthand. They're not full writing because people are trying to write quickly and trying to get ideas across very quickly, and so they're abbreviating everything. And you have to learn a whole new style of spelling. You have to learn a whole new style of speaking, in a sense, uh, through those very brief messages, those very short messages.
0: It seems like the. Um The thing there is to find the quickest way, be it phonetic or otherwise, Mm -hmm. to get the message across. I I was working with a designer in Austin, Texas, and and I think for three weeks in a row at the end of our work session, he would, you know, I'd say, thanks for your work, Mm -hmm. THX, and Mm -hmm. he would write back uh, YW until I finally said to him, I don't know what that means. (laughs) I was looking for it to, you know, be some kind of a... uh, uh, an official shortening, and he was simply saying, "You're welcome." You know.
1: Yes, you're welcome.
0: And it was in context, so he thought I'd figure it out. I probably would have given a few more weeks. Um,
1: we have to learn it. Yes, yeah. it's it's like a new spelling system.
0: It doesn't seem to be um, when we're talking about uh, writing for messaging. It doesn't seem to be um, standardized the way you know writing as a as a uh, discipline is.
1: It might be more so than we think, uh, especially I think at someone my age, uh, who still messages and texts in full sentences, fully punctuated, uh, <laughs> has a little bit of a, a chore to to decipher what what I'm what I'm receiving from other people. But I think uh, if we really studied it, I, I have a feeling we'd find it quite standardized and becoming Interesting. More, and more
0: so. So we're just out of the loop. That's what I think. Yeah. Well, I have to tell you, after texting for a while, I find myself, it's like speaking French for me, which I do very poorly. <laughs> I'm tired. My brain is broken. My thumbs are tired. I don't want to do this anymore. I understand. So it, yes. uh, it's like, let's either send a letter mm-hmm. or, you know, just speak on the phone. So.
1: And at the extreme, we reduce it to emojis, which might might be akin to the Egyptian hieroglyphics.
0: That's true. But they That's true. a great deal. They can, but once again, you talk about not knowing the standardized language. Mm-hmm. I am terrified of of the other meanings of emojis, you uh-huh. know, so I, I rarely use them, I you know.
1: Will, I always ask my young friends to tell me which one do I need, which one
0: expresses <laughs> what More feelings. which one do you not need. <laughs> well, yes, maybe so. Maybe so, so um, you know, one of the things that made me think about National um, Grammar Day and try to find out where it came from, was the fact that uh, there was a survey out. I'm going to have to take off my glasses so I can see it. But uh, there was a sur- survey out from um, a, uh, a homework help platform you may have heard of, the And they surveyed, um, let me see, 1,700 high school students between ages 14 and 18. And they found some uh, common grammar mistakes and, um, and and also talk to students about their opinions on, on somewhat controversial uh, grammar uh, conventions, mm-hmm. rules. Um, so these didn't surprise me too much, although I think I should start out by saying that um, um, There were a few overall generalizations that that I wanted to share with you guys out there and uh, also with with Dick. And uh, it was the most shocking grammar-related learning from the survey, according to uh, 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 Brainly, was that roughly 53% of the single U.S. students said that bad grammar is a dating deal-breaker.
1: I don't know if I even believe that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're just trying to improve this, uh, to uh, impress the, the surveyors. Maybe so. But, uh, and uh, so um, now here's one that you are going to like just from chatting with you before mm-hmm. the show. Uh, nationwide, 66% of students said they prefer a writing style that uses the Oxford comma. Mm-hmm. Would you like to tell us what that is and, and why you prefer the Oxford comma?
1: Well, I'll do my best, but uh, the Oxford comma is a, a comma that occurs before the and at the end of a list. So we're talking about um, a convention. This is a punctuation convention. Some people don't prefer it, and some people do prefer it. And I've heard very good arguments for why it should be there, which I can't remember, but, uh, <laughs> but convinced me a long time ago that it was the right way to do it, do a list. Um, I think one of the things that it helps with is is signaling that you really have come to the end of a list, that that and is not connecting the last word in the list to the previous word, but it's uh, just the the final the final word in that list. So, I think otherwise you can be confused a little bit.
0: So that's, that's hard to hear because um, one of the, uh, the, the battlefields for the comma question is in newspapers. Uh, newspapers like the Cape Cod Times use Associated Press style, and that does not use the concluding um, comma at the end of a list, whereas the Chicago Manual style does, and that's something I think you see more in academia, is the Chicago Manual. It's uh, so much so that there was uh, recently a um, comic that showed a bunch of punctuation marks laid out on the streets uh, after a battle between, the ongoing battle between, you know, Associated Press and Chicago Manual style commas. So. Um, Tell, tell me a little bit. Um, actually, the, the survey tells us a little bit about common mistakes. And I was not at all surprised. They don't seem to have changed a lot. No.
1: Um, and I went over the list as well, because you gave it to me ahead. Mm-hmm. But most of these uh, mistakes are just spelling mistakes. So they're about our spelling conventions. And they're all to do with homophones, which are, are words that sound alike. So if you say there, 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 if I just say there, you don't know which there I'm talking about. And so we often do that. We uh, we use the wrong spelling for words that sound alike. And I see that a lot. And I do it sometimes.
0: Me too. And I catch The more, it. I didn't know whether to blame it on age or simply <laughs> the fact that that we are writing um seriously, when my friends who want to text and are sending mm-hmm. texts that are this long, mm-hmm. um, I I you know, I'm I'm kind of a brat because I don't want to type anymore. And mm-hmm. um and then of course autocorrect is just frightening if you oh, try is. speaking your text. Yes. Um tell tell me a little bit about um in, especially in the context of teaching English as a second language. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you uh, want to jot this down. On, on uh, uh, Dick brought a, a whiteboard, as I asked him to. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, the, for example, the, the there, there, there. Um, whether that's a, a difficult concept for someone who's trying to learn English.
1: Uh, it, you'd be surpri- surprised, but non-native speakers learning the language seem to master our spelling really well. Hmm. It, and sometimes better than native speakers seem to, in my experience. Uh, so Is that an
0: education thing, do you think? I'm not sure.
1: I, really, yeah. I, I think it would be an interesting research subject because I'm not really sure.
0: And are we still working with rules? I don't know if any of you guys remember, but are we still rule, working with rules like I before E except after C?
1: Well, I memorized it, and it helps me a lot, and I don't know what people are teaching. But in in general, in teaching a second language, we don't focus on spelling. Uh, That's usually uh, something that's a given. And we always start out with speaking and listening
0: Hmm. and
1: then move into the written form after that because language is spoken. The root of the word language is lang, which is tongue. And, you know, we do call languages tongues, right?
0: That's right. Yes. And so that's
1: what language is. Writing is a... Is a representation of language on paper,
0: yes. so um, I, I wonder. And and you know, I I think maybe some of these students are telling telling the truth about being you know unimpressed by um, by grammar mistakes um, in uh, you know when they're looking at dating profiles. I, I think that's definitely true for older people. Uh, but uh, um, I I wonder if I can get you to write there, there, and there, yes, so we I'm can. Ready. Kind of show some of what we're talking about here. So, um, and while you're doing that, I'm going to quickly go over the um, the top mistakes according to the um, the survey. And uh, it was, number one was there, there, and there. And as you say, it's a spelling mistake. It's and its, you know, as in it is the contraction or it's the possessive. Which, you know, I, I still think that that should have an apostrophe feels like a natural place.
1: Well, yes, but the reason we have the apostrophe is actually because we have to make a distinction on paper between two words that sound exactly the same.
0: Oh, well, that's true.
1: And uh, this is what we're looking at, of course.
0: Okay, so this is the first, this is the most common mistake that high school students made and uh, it was um, 32% of students made this mistake. Yes. Does that bear out in the writing center where you're helping people, too?
1: Well, yes, especially between there, the possessive, the the second word on the list, and uh, there, the demonstrative, which is the first word on the list, those you often see confused. Mm -hmm. And I do it myself. I found it in my own writing when I've gone back to proofread.
0: Does the contraction come up less often because uh, um, people are more aware of the fact that that's two words?
1: Um, I'm not even sure if that's true but i think that uh often we we ask people not to contract in formal writing so we ask them to write they are and students do seem to know i think when when they're writing they are that when they're contracting it there should be an apostrophe
0: so it um And as I was saying on this list, its and its are twenty-two percent. Your and your, as in possessive, and you are third on the list. That does come up with uh, twenty-one percent of the students getting that wrong. Uh, Two and two. They don't have the third two, but you know, two as in also, and then two as in. Mm -hmm. you know i'm he's looking at me like I'm gonna say the name of of the the kind of word that is what is that word which one the two t o preposition the preposition yes. that's right yes and uh, which kind of brings up an interesting point. I find that knowing a lot of writers, um, many people I know have learned to write by ear, mm. and uh, i I still dread the idea of a board where you have to draw. Lines, you know, uh, breaking up words and underneath words and diagramming oh, that sentence. I think, mm-hmm, uh-huh. mm-hmm. But I, if someone says something that doesn't fall right on the ear, I can spot it right away. You know, that's mm-hmm. whether it's a, 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 a verb, you know, a tense agreement, or or the uh, whether it's a plural or, or whatever. I can hear it much more quickly than I can actually sit down and and uh, diagram out why it doesn't work.
1: Yes. Yeah, so that's that's another important issue or point about grammar, which is, I think, what we're talking about today. Um, grammar is language. So every language is a grammar. And so English is a grammar. So to think of the language and the grammar as being two different things uh, really doesn't grasp what we're talking about with grammar. We're, we're, we're really talking about how the language works, what this language is, you know, and how it, how it works. So, um, what you were just discussing is the native, the native speaker's instinct mm-hmm. about the language. We know we have the grammar firmly fixed in our heads. We've had it there since we were five years old.
0: From everything, from uh, you know, kindergarten classrooms to cartoons, is that the idea that? you're just swimming in in a, a pool of, of language of your native language yes
1: and when we learned it up through the first five years we learned it all through orally we listened and we we absorbed it and our brain was specially equipped to create that grammar for us and every native speaker of every language has that same experience
0: this may be a, a bit a field of of um, your, your uh, field and mine, but, but I wonder if that affects people who learn, uh, who grow up bilingual, you know?
1: Yes, well the ideal, as we understand it, is that if children at a young age are exposed to two languages, they can learn both at the same time and they can become bilingual.
0: It's interesting Uh, when I was growing up the family uh, who lived downstairs from us were from Cuba Mm -hmm. and uh, The kids all grew up bilingual and I'd be talking to the two-year-old and and we'd be speaking English And then he would just slide into Mm -hmm. into Spanish and and uh, he wouldn't even realize it Mm -hmm. And I'd say Alex in English, Mm -hmm. you know because I didn't speak Spanish and and it always amazed me how um, fluid that was Mm
1: -hmm. Yes, I think that's a a great thing for every for everybody to have, or would be a great thing for everybody to have. But uh, I think it's a great advantage for those people who grew up that way.
0: I, I can imagine because I am unfortunately not good with other people's languages, uh, despite trying quite a bit. And mm. uh, it always feels to me when you're approaching a new language for the first time, like you've got all these boxes of words to unpack. Yes. And and they're they're already in a very rigid form so you're not experiencing them um along with the emotions and and that natural uh flow that you were talking about
1: that's true and and i think to what you were asking or, or suggesting um learning a, a new language takes a lot of motivation and a lot of time
0: mm-hmm. and effort and so, once again i would imagine it helps if you're um if you live with or have someone in your life who is speaking that language exactly, to you that, all the that's time that's your
1: motivation
0: mm-hmm.
1: right so so that's what second language learners coming to our country um, are faced with a strong motivation to learn English because to function our society well, they really need
0: to learn it. It's, it's amazing to me how some people have many languages. Yes. A real facility for it. Yes. One thing you said that I don't quite understand is um, I think of grammar as a, an ordered system of how you use the language.
1: Mm, I understand that as usage. Uh And we know this because we have different contexts in which we use our language. And in one context, we're required to use it in a more formal way. Other contexts, we're expected to use it in a more casual way. And uh, I think that we're always manipulating the grammar for different situations because we have to be appropriate. It's like we put on different clothes for different events. Uh, we don't go to the beach in a three-piece suit. Right. Uh, normally, uh, but we, you know. <laughs> That's the guy
0: who gets noticed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly.
1: So we, we, we try to dress for,
0: for, for
1: our um, situations. We also use language that's suitable for our situations. For instance, when I teach English as a second language, I use what's called teacher speak. And I speak very slowly very carefully, I enunciate everything as well as I can remember to do, and uh, that's important for them. Because when they're out in the community, English, what they hear is very imperfect. The input that they're getting from the average speakers around them is imperfect, not because it's wrong, but because when we speak English, we have unstressed
0: syllables that disappear. As a, as opposed to Mandarin, which I recently realized I was meeting someone who only spoke Mandarin. I had two words that I knew, hello mm. and thank you, but there were eight ways, six of which would have been wrong because of mm. the tonal, tonal nature yes. of of the the language. And and uh, I've never been so afraid to say hello. <laughs> I don't know what the other meanings were, but so. I understand. but and and when you think about it. Because we use spacers, don't we? Like, like me, I know I'm, I'm always trying not to say so. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can make it a drinking game if you want. Every time I say so, drink your coffee. Um, but uh, or but uh, um, we fill those spaces within within our our conversation.
1: We're trying to hold our place, right? So nobody will interrupt us.
0: Oh, <laughs> interrupt away! <laughs> I. Uh, I always think of it as not wanting to look like you don't know what you're going to say next.
1: Yes, but of course, you're, you're revealing that you don't know no, what you're, you're going, going to, to say, say next. Yes.
0: <laughs> who booked this guest? I'm <laughs> 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 just kidding. It, uh, I did, and I'm very glad that you could come on, on short notice. We didn't even know about National Grammar Day until yesterday, which is not surprising because uh, it's actually a fairly new um, day in the National Register. And I have some notes here about who started it. Um, I was looking this up, and, and uh, it was established in 2000, I believe it's 2005, although with my handwriting it could be 2008, um, by Martha Brockenbrough. She's author of a book called uh, uh, That M- That Makes Us Things and Sick. That's part of the, the title. <laughs> She's also uh, a founder of SPOG, which is the Society for the... Um, uh, the Promotion of Good Grammar, S-P-O-G-G. Okay. So um, we're here today be, in good part because of Martha. <laughs> um, and uh, there's also a book that got quite a bit of attention back in uh, 2003. I don't know if you saw it, but Lynn Truss wrote a book called Eats, Shoots, and Leaves. Yes. Let's talk good. about that, yeah. <laughs>
1: well, that that title is what is so cute about the book in the beginning is the title. Um and that requires the Oxford comma.
0: Well, I don't think it has the Oxford comma, so, but maybe we can uh, uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about the uh, it um, you know the fact that if you don't have any comma at all in there, you have a much different situation than if you do. Yes. so if you
1: say "Eat shoots and leaves," you might assume that somebody, we don't know who. Is eating shoots and leaves. The plant,
0: panda on the front of the book.
1: Plant shoots and
0: leaves. Right.
1: However, if you add commas, you have somebody, we don't know who, who eats, shoots, we don't know what or whom, and then leaves afterwards. So,
0: That's true, and of course, as you might have uh, guessed, this is a book about grammar and that does it in a fun way mm-hmm. and, and reaches out to kids. Do you uh, do you see a lot of problems with and this is one that always gets me uh, ending sentences with prepositions
1: well that's a big topic um
0: yeah five minutes
1: (laughs) (laughs) well less now i think um yeah so prepositions in english do end sentences that's the nature of english and i'll just tell you very briefly um without going into any detail that there was a time in the history of the English language when Latin was considered the perfect language. And some grammarians felt that English should be patterned on Latin. And so they tried to squeeze English into a Latin grammar and make it conform to Latin grammar. And one of the things that Latin doesn't do is end sentences with prepositions. But English very naturally does it as we know, because we all do it. And we do it naturally because that's the nature of our language. That's the English grammar.
0: So this is is a great conspiracy. I I have been trying to impress people by putting with whom in a lot of sentences to get rid of that uh, prepositional ending, when it was supposed to be there in the first place.
1: The only time you have to worry about it is is with prepositions. So you, you, uh, well, that's what prepositions are. But what I meant was that, and now I can't remember, so forgive me. But
0: um, that's okay. But
1: there is a case in which we will uh, hear
0: from English teachers. I is, can tell you that that happens a lot.
1: There is a case in which we we really do have to put the preposition ahead and not let it dangle. It can't dangle in those cases. But
0: is, the, is it basically a common sense rule for for meaning?
1: No, it's just the way English is patterned. Uh, we have. It's usually these are not really prepositions; they're particles. Um, that belong to the verb and in our language they can be separated from the verb and they can go off to the end of the sentence and that's okay. So don't worry about it please.
0: Okay, how about adverbs because you know that ly thing Yes. Worry about that a lot.
1: Well, of course there are adverbs that uh, don't require the ly like fast Right. um, And apparently slow.
0: But there's quickly as well.
1: There is quickly so um, I use the adverb endings, but there is a trend, I think, in the language to drop them.
0: Any so, other trends that you're seeing?
1: Yes. Uh, of course, who and whom. Whom is disappearing, except after prepositions, and that was what I wanted to talk to you about, was you have to have
0: the preposition before
1: whom. You have to follow
0: right. with whom. exactly. Well, that's you how you fix. You can't lose yeah. whom,
1: uh, for those cases. But um, whom is leaving. We're not going to have it around very much longer. Hmm. Uh, except in those cases, so that
0: can be like a law. It's just going to be a usage issue, right? Yes,
1: um, the subjunctive is going away. Um, the if if I had known is becoming if I would have known. Almost universally, uh, people are switching over.
0: Interesting. To,
1: to from if I had known that, I would not have done what I did. So
0: um, they're they're, add, they're adding they're adding the word If I would now? have known that,
1: I would not. have
0: which feels counterintuitive because it's longer.
1: It is longer and it's strange, but that's what people are doing. Uh, another thing that I've been noticing, um, I've forgotten um, in the trying to tell it to you, but... Um,
0: don't worry about it you know what we do here what? we forget people help us out you know <laughs> okay. I uh, can't tell you how many times I've forgotten things it uh, that's one of the things about having a live show and a conversational show rather than a script but, um, but the,
1: the lesson really is that language is always changing the grammar is changing and our grammar has changed a great deal over the history of the language and it will continue to change. I already can understand my children sometimes
0: I was gonna say you know it seems to me that time, um, uh, geography region of the country. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, those are the two big ones, but, you know, possibly the social media impact as well. Uh, it seems to me that, that you can get yourself into really difficult situations. I would end by saying that my daughter, who is 25, thinks the word, and some of you have got to remember this word, have to, have to remember this yes. word, um, and uh, necking. Um, because my daughter pictures giraffes whenever she thinks of oh, really? this word. Yeah. So an entire generation of teenagers were drafts were, uh, with their necks uh, wrapped around each other.
1: May I make a plea related to a trend I've been seeing?
0: Uh, absolutely. It's a small thing,
1: but it's in spelling. And everybody is beginning to spell the past tense of lead, L-E-A-D. But the past tense of lead is spelled L-E-D. And I think what we're doing is we're, we're patterning it after read-read. Oh, yep. So now people are writing lead and lead as the same spelling. And I would really love it if people would stop doing that.
0: Okay, well, I have led you, <laughs> L-E-D, on a, um, on, a, on a conversation through our words and how we use them. And uh, you'll be glad to, to know that we're still at most of the time. Using LED for lead, uh, we also have a, a another word for lead. Though it's it's this is a, a an area we didn't talk about, but different industries have mm-hmm. their own languages. And in the newspaper, lead is uh, L-E-D-E to indicate the beginning of a of a sen- of a story. Oh, really? Yeah, the lead. Shorten the lead; it's too long. Oh, interesting. Um, so you know, we we have that, and and of course, even that changes as you deal with professionals from different um, different errors mm-hmm. in in the business but thank you I hope you guys had fun um, I'm just kidding I always like to hear from the English teachers although if you don't write in red that's good um, <laughs> and uh, you know it's a fascinating subject language we're so glad you could come and and talk to us about it and we will promise to try and lead and have led <laughs> uh, and lead uh, in order we'll think of you Dick when we do that well
1: thank you for having me I enjoyed it take care thank you too